0: Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me are my cousins, Justin and Derek. We are recording this podcast on September 7th, 2016. As far as memorable moments are concerned, none would ever rival anything in Nebraska history emotional-wise than what we experienced in the Fresno State-Nebraska game. Uh, This last Saturday, particularly uh, the incredibly cathartic moment where the Huskers lined up in punt formation with only 10 players to honor Sam Fultz. Uh, Fresno State joined in a great uh, moment of solidarity and grief in class uh, by declining the penalty and also wearing 27 on their helmets. And yet, despite this incredibly emotionally cathartic moment of release, and unification. There was bitching about the game itself, despite us uh, winning 43-10. to 10. And you wouldn't know we won based on the reaction from the Husker fans or the Husker fan boys uh, with the amount of discontent about the victory. And even Riley got riled up, uh, if the press conference is any indication.
1: I, You know, I was absolutely... In awe of this press conference. Don't think this means I'm coming around to Mike Riley or that I'm suddenly a, a oh, Mike, Mike, Riley, Mike Riley bandwagon. Never, never.
0: Healthy cynicism is good. However,
1: however, he, he did he did come across as winning. I want to win. This wasn't good enough. Right. Guys, we had too many mistakes. He complained about the block punt, all the terrible penalties, some substitution problems. Fly sweep execution, which I actually thought was pretty good and it wasn't good enough for him. I, I liked that. I thought that was good, but my favorite part of the press conference is when he made his little joke that even made me laugh when they asked him when was the last time he remembers passing the ball that few at times. And he made the comment the last time they passed that few at times was when he was probably quarterback because he wasn't a very good quarterback. So I, think I that, thought that was pretty funny.
0: That sets him apart as far as the coach, because he's very self-deprecating like that, which I think is a great touch for him. Uh, right, he
2: brought a little bit of levity to the situation there, talking about, you know, back when he was quarterback, and th- that was all great. But, you know, he, he did – it was re- really refreshing hearing him uh, complain – not complain, but, you know, basically put, put the team on notice that everything that they did was not that great, especially the special teams and the penalties, and I – I don't know about you guys, but did you guys kind of get the impression that he basically was putting Bruce Reed on notice for the uh, special teams, whether it was the, yeah, the block punt and that uh, was inexcusable. That was like right
0: up the middle, up the gut block. And considering that we have a freshman punter back there, who's already put back, you know, back there because of circumstances. Yeah. That's not going to do his confidence any favors.
2: It, it wasn't only that, you know, it was the the actual punt return or the lack of punt return, yes. and then the fact that the guys were, you know, they were all over the place back there. They, they none of them were in position. They they it was a mess. It was a big old mess. He basically uh, he
0: basically said it was. What did he say? He said something to the effect of it was like something out of a video game or something. And he was it was just very <laughs> dis- he, this he, car-
1: he, he said it was out of a cartoon. Cartoon.
2: A it was cartoon. a cartoon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He does have a way of bringing levity to the situation, though. I mean, he's he's one of those guys who will, will talk all stern, and then he'll kind of just change it, you know, just to get get back to being grounded. You know, that it's, it's great. I, I just really enjoy listening to him talk. And he didn't give the same press conference like he did last year at all. I think, Derek, you're right. You know, he kind of had this winning attitude. He had this little winning edge when he spoke to the media. It was great.
0: Yeah, I think the reprieve is over, and he's ready for more. He's ready for success. And he might even have a small window, but, you know. Uh, As far as the penalties are concerned, yeah, I think the targeting, I was surprised at how there was no excuse for it. He wasn't even trying to defend his players with being called for targeting. He, You know, he basically said, well, they put themselves in the position where targeting penalties could be called, so... It's pretty much their own damn fault. Is, is kind of the impression I got from from. What well, I you thinking. know, they
2: put so much work into it. You know, uh, teaching uh, a different tackling technique throughout the uh, throughout the spring and fall. So they put a lot of emphasis on doing things the right way, and we just didn't see it. You know, we got lucky that only one person was ejected.
0: Yeah, yeah. For for whatever reason, the zebras got merciful uh, about the second one. Uh, with the excessive- well,
1: well, my my problem with the with the uh, with the targeting penalties was the inconsistency. Like to me, Luke Gifford was was kicked out on the letter of the law. It was mm-hmm. helmet to helmet. You have to you have to get him out of there. Right. Where Williams, you know. The letter of the law says that receiver was a defenseless player and you blindsided him. So by the letter of the law, he should have been kicked out as well. Right. So if you're going to do it, be consistent with it. This inconsistency with the refs has got to go. Well, I, I disagree
2: with the Luke Gifford. I he, disagree. He led with his hands. He wasn't targeting the head. You know, There was true, incidental true, con- contact. True, but it know? was
1: helmet to helmet. I think so. By I, the letter of the law, he was supposed to be kicked out.
0: I think the rule needs to be readdressed because this is one of those rules where I think a gradation system needs to be put in place, like incidental contact and you know actual, you know intentional, you know targeting. I think that you could make the argument for both cases. Um, the other thing that got me was on the swinging gate, the two point conversion, and the excessive celebration, which. You know, I'm going to chalk it up to, look, a lot of emotions were on display that night, as evidenced in that sideline, you know, with the 10-man punt formation. There were a lot of charged emotions. I think you could chalk it up to them getting out of their system, especially with Zach Darlington, which is twofold in that. He uh, basically uh, did the play that was designed for Sam Foltz, And this is Zach Darlington, who's had concussion history, uh, you know, prior to this. I think he has, what, two concussions? And he's out there making plays and, and scoring two points. I think that's worthy of a celebration in his book. I don't want it to see a trend, but, you know, cut him some slack.
2: Yeah, uh, that was an interesting play there. Uh, At the time, I think I was uh, really disappointed that they did go for two. But the more I thought about it, I think there was a little bit more of a purpose behind running a two-point conversion at that point in the game. Uh, We have Oregon coming up here in a couple of weeks. And Oregon, they went for two against UC Davis five times, and they converted it three times. So I'm wondering if uh, maybe the coaching staff is kind of tipping their hand, you know, just daring – uh, Oregon to get into a two point conversion match with us because you
0: kind of deal like maybe
2: maybe yeah. you know and basically I would put our defense against their defense in a goal line situation every single time because our defense is a lot better than Oregon's so maybe this is Riley's way of just saying okay let's see what you got you want to do this two point thing and I can't stand that Oregon runs this two point conversion Every single play.
0: So giving them a taste of their own medicine,
2: which, basically.
1: Which is why I hate this play even more. The, the more I think about it, the more I hate it. I might have been okay with this at the beginning of the game, but you're up 34 to 10, and that's when you decide to do it. That, that is just classless. I, I cannot stand the fact that we ran a two-point conversion in that scenario.
0: I think, I yeah, think it think little fun. I think you can make the case that it was circumstantial. There was a lot of weird stuff in this game, uh, particularly some of the reactions from the coaches as far as the offensive game plan, which I tell you what, that was so old school. I just got like a feeling of nostalgia just burning through me, seeing all that great running and seeing those running backs, the stable of running backs all producing uh, specifically Divine Exigbo. And then the fact that they got almost 300 yards rushing, which, you know, I'll let that go. I want 300 yards rushing next time. But they almost got there, and I love that they're putting the emphasis on the run. And yet, there's a lot of mixed messages I'm getting out of the coaches. Was it because of lack of production from Tommy Armstrong? Or do you think that there were other issues here?
1: I I think there were other issues, like the fact that we went three and out on four out of 11 drives. You know, I mean, yeah, the running game worked a lot, but you still can't afford. I mean, this is a terrible defense. Fresno State's not a good defense, and we're going three and out in four out of eleven drives.
2: That's too uh, much. I would argue that opening drive was kind of done on purpose.
0: I agree, that was symbolic.
2: Yeah, I, I think so.
1: I, I disagree, but I don't want to get into that too much. So,
0: I I think they just wanted to. I don't want to say get it out of the way, but they just wanted to, you know, get that out front, make sure that that was taken care of, and then they can get on with business. Because after that, they rolled, and then they hit the second quarter, which, you know, happened time and time again last year, where you had Nebraska shooting themselves in the foot, and then, you know, having to get a halftime speech probably with a lot of yelling and maybe some stuttering. And then they get back into it in the second half and they start playing good old-fashioned Nebraska football. It's it, it, was a, it was a solid victory, but it could have been a lot better. And I think that that was kind of the impression I got from the coaches. But
2: Hey, don't you guys think well, the right game worked I,
0: great? What were you saying? I, I didn't. Don't,
2: don't you guys think that the running game actually looked great? I mean, even uh, Terrell Newby, he looked pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zigbo, he's a beast. Yes. And when Trey yes. Bryant, when he got in in the fourth quarter, granted that Fresno State was already gassed, but Trey Bryant's going to be a special player.
0: He, I agree. But, I agree. There was a huge step up from Trey Bryant to the others. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to be a superstar.
2: Now, I get, th- I I get, get
1: the point. As, I think as the game went on, the, the running game got better. Yeah. It, it, it was fairly mediocre through a lot of the first half. That yes. first half was like the most boring half of football I think I've ever watched.
2: It was pretty boring.
0: I'll tell you what, though. I have a lot of confidence in our offensive line, and more importantly, so do they. Uh, it was said, I guess, in the press conference that the offensive line was just brimming with confidence after that game. It's like, hey, you know, we can actually gel as a unit here, and I just, I just think that they – that this, uh, you know, the the platform that they're taking off from is at a higher level than it was obviously last year. I mean, that's kind of a silly statement because, well, we lost the first game last year. This was a lot more solid, a lot more indicative of what this team is capable of. But I do think that Riley makes a great point with balance, and I think that balance is going to be one of the things we try to achieve with this next game.
2: I think so. Well, I hope so. Uh,
0: well, I – I think
1: something that, that we're not understanding, too, as to why we didn't throw the ball much is, I, I think the wind was a big factor in that game. And I think that's why Langsdorf was saying how much he was not comfortable throwing the ball. He said that... Before, in, in the in the pregame, they were taught... The uh, pregame was talking about how high the winds were.
0: Well,
2: that would be good. That'd be a lesson learned from the Illinois game last year. I know? hope But so. I'm surprised that... I, that I has, hope that's the case.
0: But I'm... Yeah, that's a good point. But... I'm surprised that that hasn't been uh, more of, a, of an emphasis, a point that they've been making, is that the weather might have played a factor. I think it's more that Armstrong wasn't really that comfortable with the passing and the running was working so well. That's the thing. I get this feeling that sometimes Riley and his staff are almost contemptuous of old school Nebraska football because they, it's almost like they're almost ashamed of it. And it's like, we got to, We gotta start becoming more modern. And yet it worked perfectly like a charm. It's not always gonna work perfectly like a charm. But man, that was a great showing of what this team is capable of. And I think that we gotta ride that as long as we can.
1: Well, I I think I think in this day and age, I agree with the coaching staff to an extent. I I don't think you can be that one sided and win championships. Not not like in the nineties in the and, and before that, th- this day and age, you have to have somewhat of a balanced offense to win. Look at look at the teams winning. Most of them have a balanced offense and a great defense. That's what wins championships.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I want to talk about the pass attempts again. Uh, you know, we had 13 pass attempts in this game. And uh, there were three teams in... Uh, division 1a with fewer pass attempts this last week than nebraska do you know what those teams were
0: uh no
2: it was the service academies uh air force passed 11 times navy passed four times and army passed five times wow I'm and not, uh well, not so georgia
1: that. tech so georgia tech passed more than we did
2: yeah and you know what we were t- actually tied with unlv unlv uh they uh passed 13 times and uh, but as far as Air Force and Navy, they still had more yards passing than we did, and <laughs> they passed fewer times.
0: Even with that UCLA <laughs> well,
2: bowl,
1: I and, think the, we and I think that's got I think that's got to be a little of the concern too. Is Armstrong only threw ten times, but the problem is he still Baylor only completed 50%. five.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know. So you know, I, I get it. We didn't have to we didn't have to pass the ball to beat Fresno State. We we did it with the run. I get it, and I'm okay with that. I did kind of think to myself, you know, we have all these uh, these prized recruits sitting in the stands, and they had to watch a boring first half of football because we weren't doing some of the things that. You know, some of the things that we saw last year with the passing attack.
1: Really, you could make the argument that you watched the first three quarters of boring football. We didn't really take over that game until the fourth quarter when we scored 22 points.
0: I don't know. Which, again, is very old school because the fourth quarter is usually when Nebraska wore out the uh, opponent. And that was certainly in evidence last week. Fresno State just did not want to play in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, but wasn't it the beginning of the third quarter where Armstrong hit uh, more on that long pass?
0: I thought it was, was it, the fourth that be- quarter. I think it was, was, it was the fourth? fourth quarter. Yeah. All right.
1: Because we, we only scored one touchdown in the third quarter, and that was a Tommy Tommy Armstrong.
0: Tommy Armstrong, yeah, running okay. for nine yards. That was a good run, too. But, yeah, I do think that we're going to need more uh, balance, uh, and I think that uh, this next game will be a truer test to that. But before we get to that, let's get to our uh, Week 2 predictions. Oh God! Um, Must we? Yeah, this is a kind of a <laughs> chore. I'm gonna have to bear through it too. But let's go from the top. Then uh, we got Penn State ninny Lions at the Pitt Panthers.
2: Well, first off, you don't want to talk about how ridiculous our picks were last week.
0: I guess we are could, you, but I was. Kinda are you giving us a hey, like, reprieve? Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey,
1: I'm above 500. I'm doing all right.
2: Yeah, I. I you I'm know, six I,
1: and four. I, you're three and seven.
2: Patrick's five and five. He's at five hey, hundred. Hey, that, that's just a testament that's, to how great of football games there were last week, though, right? Yeah. What a, what what a week one! Yeah, good, it was an
0: amazing week one. I agree. That was everything you could ask for. It was well, upset as far central as the opening Let, week in uh, college football. Let's
1: just throw it out there that I picked the upset of the week, which will never happen again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> promise? <laughs> I can't promise,
1: but I can almost guarantee.
0: Alright, yeah, so that Wisconsin got lucky. I think we're I think we're moving on from the heaven of week one to the down to earth mediocrity of week two. And again, we'll start at the top. Here we go. Penn State at Pitt.
2: Wow, this might be the best game on slate this weekend. That's sad. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pitt, they're favored by six. And uh, Pitt fit, beat Villanova 28 7 last week, which is not impressive. But I think Narduzzi's a better head coach than Franklin. So Pitt gets the win.
1: Ah, uh, you know, I, I kind of went against this. I was looking at ESPN and I was looking at the, the chances of percentage, or the percentage chance of them, of who would win. And Pitt's got a 62.4% chance to win this game. But that, that was, Villanova game just drives me insane. And I think uh that Saquon Barkley from Pitt, from Penn State has a huge game against Pitt. I think I think Penn State pulls it out.
0: Your for Big already, ten take. I hope you're right. Yeah, your sanity is already touch and go as it is, Derek. I'm you know, I'm going to have to go for the Big 10. I got to be a Big 10 homer here. I'm going to go for Penn State uh next up we have is cincinnati bearcats and the purdue boilermakers that is a premier college basketball game not so much football
2: (laughs) yeah uh as much as i want to see purdue win this game they scored a lot of points against eastern kentucky last week i gotta stick with my gap before season stick with cincinnati
1: okay so so i did the same thing on this one I, i did the same thing with all the games and this game surprised me because Cincinnati's favored by six and a 6.5, as you said. But according to ESPN, Purdue has a 56.5% chance of winning this game. But I just don't see it. I think Purdue loses this game.
0: Yeah.
2: To yeah. Quote- they, Purdue benefited from four turnovers last week against Eastern Kentucky. and
0: Yeah. To quote a pirate, never tell me the odds. I'm going to go for the Bearcats. Uh we've got the next one up, uh South Carolina, uh after a pretty well it was a win. Uh they're playing Mississippi State.
2: <laughs> you know that South Carolina Vanderbilt game last week, what a doozer that was. Or a snoozer I should say. That was it w- bad. It was
0: a doozer of a snoozer.
2: <laughs> a doozer of a snoozer, indeed. Mississippi State, they win this game.
1: Ah, you know, I disagree. (laughs) Mississippi State just lost to Southern Alabama. Come on, are you kidding me? Mississippi State's not good. Not that I think South Carolina's that great either, but South Carolina wins this game.
2: Hey, you know what? South Alabama was a bowl team last year, right? Vanderbilt wasn't a bowl team.
1: Okay. If you want to go by that.
0: (laughs) Nebraska was a bowl
1: team last year.
0: Yeah, point, point, point taken. I don't go any further down that road and don't ever change Derek. You know, Bulldogs, (laughs) the Bulldogs are going to bring the Gamecocks down to earth. I think the Bulldogs are going to win it. And then lastly, and maybe leastly, we have Tennessee at Virginia tech.
2: I just want to watch this game just because it's at Bristol motor speedway. Have you guys seen the, uh, (laughs) the pictures from the stands? (laughs) How 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 are the fans going to enjoy this this game? How are the players going to hear the crowd when they're a quarter of a mile away? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just by sound. By the time they score a touchdown, it'll be, it's going to be about a good three seconds before the sound travels to the end zone for to hear the cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they'll, they'll have already kicked the extra point before they hear the cheers.
2: It's it's crazy, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I don't know who I like in this game. Tennessee was really bad against Appalachian State. So just because they didn't deserve to be Appalachian State, I'm going for Virginia Tech.
1: You know, I wanted to go that route so bad. I really did. Tennessee's got an 87.2% chance to win this game.
0: Oh, my gosh. You in percentiles.
1: Now, <laughs> the only reason I'm going with Tennessee, though, is I think they come out with a little bit of uh, fire under their ass. I think they're a little pissed off that they played that poorly against Appalachian State. And I think they take it out on Virginia Tech.
0: There we go. If they can. If they can. There we go. Forget the logic. Pure emotion. It's all about the intangibles, and Tennessee's got something to prove. I think the Vols come out on fire and just destroy the Okies. All right. And for those interested, we have our Break the Bank in Vegas game. Uh, imagine the drum roll uh, who's going to make the pick
2: hey I was right on with my Florida State pick it was ugly in the first half being down 28 to six but oh. Florida State I never doubted I never doubted and they came through for me you liar this- <laughs> I talked to you in the
1: first half and you said Florida State sucks <laughs> and they do
2: be that as it may guys uh, I like I like Baylor uh, against uh, Southern Methodist. Uh, SMU is at Baylor this week. Hmm. Baylor's 32-point favorites. Baylor, all they do is score, score, score. 32 points, that's nothing. They didn't cover last week, but that line was at 50.
0: What do they call in this game, the Battle of the Sinners?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how they're marketing this one, but that, that's right up there. Uh, Death penalty game. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you guys are, you guys are special tonight. All right. Uh,
1: so so for my bowl pick I am going for the upset special. Not so much the upset special, but I'll tell you what. Illinois has an offense this year. They sc- they scored 52 against a abysmal Murray State. I get it. But North Carolina is coming off of a very intriguing loss that I think they come into this game at Illinois not ready to play. I I think Illinois plays these guys really tough. And at eight and a half,
2: I'll take Illinois on that. Fair enough. Eight and a half. All right. It's down to eight and a half. That's impressive.
1: That's, I, that's that's where that's what ESPN had it at today when I was doing my picks. That's breaking wow.
2: news, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
0: Breaking. News. Yesterday
2: it was at ten. It's it's lines coming down. Hey, can I throw out another one? I just want to hear your thoughts on this.
0: Sure, go ahead.
2: Western Kentucky at Alabama. Alabama's twenty nine point favorites.
0: That sounds fair.
1: Yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I'm thinking I, Western I, Kentucky. I, <laughs> no
0: way. Alabama's I, on Alabama. Cruise I bet Alabama beat them by fifty. They're gonna...
2: Alabama has Ole miss next week
0: It's gonna be Western a...
2: Kentucky they, they were a 12win team last year and they beat conference they were the conference USA champion It'll 29 be a... points four touchdowns more than four touchdowns. I'm keeping oh, my eye on that one I'm keeping my
0: eye on that one all right time for us to move to the game of the week which is Wyoming Cowboys at our Nebraska corn Huskers this one is gonna be interesting I think. But what do you guys have to think about
2: it? Well, I watched the uh, the highlights of the Wyoming-Northern Illinois game. And uh, that was a really exciting game. Mm-hmm. It really was. I wish, uh, you know, if, if I had less of a life, I could have stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching it. But uh, it looks like Wyoming, they're going to be a really good opponent. It's a lot better this week than what it was probably prior to the season. Uh I'm not going to say we're going to struggle. The line is 24-and-a-half. I don't think we get there. I think Nebraska wins a close one. we probably pull away in the fourth quarter like we did last week. Yeah. Uh, I, I got Nebraska winning
0: 45-24. Derek? All
2: right. So, <clears throat> I agree with you, Justin.
1: I think we pull away in the fourth quarter. But I think we're in for a dogfight in this game. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why. Wyoming has... A quarterback and Josh Allen that is six foot five, two hundred and twenty-two pounds, who not only passed for two hundred and forty-five yards, also rushed for seventy yards. I think he's going to be stuff tough, tough to stop. Yeah, they have a running back that is six foot one, two hundred and nineteen, just a bulldog of a kid. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to try. A little, maybe, I, we're pretty good at stopping the run, but we'll struggle with that guy a little bit. But here's the key. Here's the key. They have a wide receiver that's six foot six, two hundred and thirty pounds. This is the guy to watch, and Jake Mulhard. He is go- he's going to be the guy to watch. He's going to tear up our secondary if we can't get some pressure on that quarterback. And judging from what we did in Fresno State, our front four is not going to get any pressure on that quarterback, just like Fresno State.
0: And that's always been an issue. But maybe we might get some blitz packages. But yeah, live by I, the blitz, die by the blitz.
1: I have us winning and I have us pulling away kinda of in the fourth quarter as well. But I have us winning at thirty-five to seventeen.
0: Wow. You wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Somebody okay. has to change their score prediction. <laughs> I I'll say thirty six to seventeen. Okay. Here's the thing. We have to thank he who walks behind the rows That this game is in Lincoln If this game was in Laramie I think we would be in real trouble I saw this kid's, the quarterback's highlights You know what he reminded me of? Just the way he was slinking and slithering And just like finding the holes And leaping into the end zone and all that stuff Jake Plummer He just has that Jake Plummer look to him And it just gives me the creeps I think we're really going to be in for it, and I think this may even be a telltale sign of whether we're ready for Oregon or not. I'm not saying that the running is going to be up there with Oregon, but it may just kind of provide a little bit of a a reality check for the defense. So I think it's going to be 36-17. I think it's going to be a similar thing where Nebraska pulls away in the fourth quarter and like it or not i think it's going to be our running game and i think our black shirts are going to be the ones that bail us out all right so
1: so so it looks like we're basically handing justin the uh pick of the week for nebraska
2: well you never know it could be 31-21 <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what it's definitely i got to give it to that, so Wy- that that wyoming quarterback he is exciting to watch he looks really
1: good he's he i, is I think be a he i I think he's yeah. gonna be damn good. I, he I scares me a little
2: bit.
0: It's that this dual, is gonna
2: be a good opponent.
0: It's that good dual, opponent to test us. It's that dual threat quarterback that just gives historically Nebraska fits. Going from McBride on, all du- all dual threats give us fits. All well, right,
2: yeah. Hang on, you know it, it's just, we we have Nate Gary coming back. We have Antonio Reed coming back. We got Brandon Riley coming back. I think that really, especially with Brandon Riley, I think that really opens it up for us throwing downfield. Uh, you know, that, that's an extra deep threat that we have, so we can open it up with the passing game. Well, this, this no. is this
1: is true, but I think our secondary. I mean, Nate Gary's going to help, but this guy has six inches on our tallest secondary guy.
0: You think we're going to be like in like double coverage with this guy?
1: I hope we are.
0: Well, Nate Gary is always around the ball, so I'll always kind of hold that as a factor. And I think he's itching to go out there and lay some wood, so lay away is what I say. All right, special (laughs) shout-out to the Greeley PD for nabbing the meth-head-esque SOB who robbed the Fultzes while they were at the game honoring Sam last weekend. And while I completely support the criminal justice system in this case... I think we should have this A-hole tied to a chair at the 50-yard line surrounded by 90,000 angry, frothing fans just waiting to be let loose for some rated M carnage. NET, strongly consider televising this live. Ratings bonanza across the state. If you want to leave comments and messages, you can reach us at the Husker CuzCast Facebook page as well as the page on Podbean. And with that, we are done, kiddos! See? See everybody. Peace out. Beat the Cowboys, go big red!